very exciting show today. We've got Jeremy Corbell on the phone. Hello. Hey, Alejandro. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. And uh, to start off, I just want people to understand, because I don't think they do, like how important it is that there's something new coming out about the Skinwalker Ranch. Because really, since George Knapp's book in 2005, and then the lectures that he did, I was lucky enough to see several, one of which was with Colm Kelleher, uh, who, of course, is it, we've talked about before because he works with Bigelow. That's like really it. There's been lots of speculation. There's been people going to the gate and the fence and looking through and everything. But uh, there hasn't been anything real. But somehow you have gained um, unprecedented access. And, and how did this come about? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, th I think what you're right. I, I think you are right, and I think it's real important, f you know, for people to understand that the information that came out of the ranch in in the in the 20 years that Bob Bigelow owned the ranch, it was so small, and it was in the the form of the the biggest part was in the form of a book by George Knapp and Dr. Colin Kelleher, but the the actual investigations and the NID studies and the Bass studies and all the stuff that's in the news now that was going on at the ranch, the 22 million that helped fund all the studies at the ranch, it's been a mystery. So luckily, there's been a change of ownership, and with that change of the guard, a different regime, all of that information, this information George couldn't put out before, he wanted to make a documentary. But, you know, that was squashed. They were worried that it was going to jeopardize the investigations. That archive, that Akashic record of footage during the time of active investigation at the ranch that George documented, that can out now all come out. And so that's why it's kind of right place, right time, and a lot of pestering. And we were able to get this footage and all the new stuff, the years of new footage and investigation that I've been doing up there with George can now all come out, too. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And, you know, George is really good at kind of keeping things under wrap. Um, as a journalist, you know, you often have to do that. But uh, he, you know, who knew really that there was ongoing investigation? I don't think a lot of people knew that. Right. Look, um, his position was he was given the opportunity as a journalist to cover and follow and watch and document what was going on there. He wasn't trying to hold secrets uh, you know, for, against anybody. He was actually mm -hmm. trying to collect the data so that when the time was right, this sort of thing could happen. We owe him a, you know, a debt of gratitude for his uh, perseverance over 20 plus years of documenting and keeping this story fresh and alive. So yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, man. People are gonna see for the first time footage of the ranch in the ranch, on the ranch, under multiple ownership, and they're going to see it uh, in 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 ways that we never expected the public was going to be able to. Mm -hmm. Really? So yeah. did you end up with more material and access than even you thought you were going to have? Oh, absolutely. I like you know wrote down my my wish list of how this movie would play out, and not only did I hit every point on that wish list but also beyond that. There are some surprises in the film that people are just going to be taken aback by. And I, I did not expect those things to happen. That's the great thing about a documentary is that you really don't know what's going to happen until the final cut. Mm -hmm. Now, how long has this documentary been in the works? 
Well, I mean, you could say it goes back to to George Knapp when he first started. He wanted to make a documentary, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Bob Bigelow and the the scientific team and now, as we know now, the government involvement, nobody wanted that footage to come out because it would shine a bright light on the inside of Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you could say it's been in development since then. But as I've kind of released those clips of me going through the, those archive boxes, the treasure trove, it's like Indiana Jones. You get to unearth these tapes that go back again like 20 years. Uh, that actively, this documentary actively ha- has been in process for maybe three years, uh, but really went into high gear when we saw the window of opportunity that occurred with the new releases, which all relate back to the ranch, every road leads back to the ranch the 22 million the programs that everybody's aware of now it all leads back to the ranch right so that's interesting i guess i want to get into that because that is really very new information for the public that i think people haven't completely digested yet uh which is one of the exciting things for you and i to talk about today but i do want to get to um the essentially your experience. So how did you first come across the story and what was the impact uh, when you did find out about this crazy Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah, you know, I, I think like most of the world, I learned about Skinwalker Ranch through George Knapp's and Dr. Colin Kelleher's book. I think that's how most people were given access to understand in more depth kind of what was going on there at the ranch. So it was through my uh, relation with George Knapp that I was really shown the goods when it came to the ranch, although a lot of it couldn't be public when I was learning about it. You know, I did get to see it from a unique perspective and through his eyes, and it really altered my position because when you hear these stories, when I read the book, it read like this great fictional account of something that might have happened. Then you meet the scientists who were involved during those investigations. You meet everybody who was hardcore involved in this, who aren't necessarily public and out public about it. And you start to feel, wow, this story, these experiences are way more profound than I had first kind of given it credit. So this is why I think the film will really open the Pandora's box. I mean, it's your problem, eventually, the the viewer, to deal with the fact that these events happened. And these events change the way that we look at the UFO phenomenon and the associated phenomenon. It certainly changed the way our defense intelligence agency thought about the UFO phenomenon and the associated phenomena. They're, They're related. The things that we observe at the ranch and the, the UFOs that, that are seen across the world. Mm-hmm. It's related. So that is, I guess, getting back to what you were referring to before, which is this, uh, you know, um, um, how all roads lead to Skinwalker Ranch. And thus far, you know, we've heard about the Department of Defense and, you know, from Lou Elizondo investigating UFOs. And that isn't too far-fetched. For some people, you know, that's, that's wow, quite a revelation. For people like you and I, it's not as big of a revelation. But 
to then find out that uh, that some of those funds went to investigating this kind of paranormal ranch, that is really unique, and that is really different. And and luckily, maybe for the better, that news is not really completely, you know, um, gotten out there or become a big part of the story because this is so friggin' weird. I mean, that what goes on there is really strange. Yeah, so the film really highlights those connections mm. between, you know, the programs that have been popularized now, starting from the $22 million from Senator Harry Reid to the DIA's involvement. There, there have been major studies there. They're all connected. The thing that I, that I think you're touching upon is that it is easy for the public to hear the words UFO investigation, you know, we, we get that, unknowns in the air, people are familiar with ATIP, but again, there, there's something that has really not been clarified, and the movie will clarify it. So the, the, the hint to it is that that $22 million that was created to study the phenomenon was really inspired wholly by Skinwalker Ranch and what Bigelow had been doing there privately with NIDS. So the DIA... Uh, study of the ranch under bass that was wholly generated because of the 22 million because of the book hunt for the skinwalker and what bigelow had done there for all those years with nids i think that they're going to see the public is going to see by watching this film that connection very clearly and that yes our department of defense specifically the intelligence organization within the Department of Defense, the Defense Intelligence Agency, they took this very seriously. They had to word the contracts in a way so they would be pushed through without much thought. And and if you look at the BAS contracts, which I think George has made public, it's really clear that they're using these terms, you know, that that allow people to push those contracts through. But the entire point of that 22 million was to study the, the the phenomenon, this associated phenomenon with UFOs from a medical standpoint, from an observational standpoint, from a scientific standpoint. And uh, it's mind boggling. It's it's wild. But they took it very seriously. And, and not only did our nation take it seriously, but other nations did too. Mm. And you get into that in the documentary? In the bonus material. Okay. The, docu- the, the movie is a beast. The movie is two hours and seven minutes. And that's not the director's cut. That's like <laughs> for the public. My first cut of this movie was almost three hours. I mean, it is a beast of a movie. So there are going to be five major bonus material pieces that accompany this film, which are quite revealing. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I'm really interested, too, because, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work. I've told you that every time you come on the show because something that you really do is, you know, you take an intimate look into these individuals that are involved, but also the pacing. Uh, The pacing feels natural and and right. Um, And so did you have to kind of speed things up for this one to include more info? 
you know, uh, the the pacing for this one, it, you, there's never a dull moment. That that's kind of always my goal is not to lose a viewer for even a second. So it should be visually aesthetic. It should tell the story, and it should be intimate and from a first person standpoint. And so I think I achieved all of those things in this film. So even with the extended length, the story has so many twists and turns. It's so deep. It's so profound. What you hear, the individuals saying in this footage from the modern day interviews that have been going on for quite some time now. We've actually spent a lot of time, uh, you know, me and the team in the Uinta Basin doing modern day interviews. We're just really quiet about it. But those interviews made it into this film. So you've got the modern day with all the way back to the NIDS investigations as they were happening on the ranch, as they were developing. So all of that footage is kind of pushed together. And I think the pace is um, strong for, for, for a movie like this that spans so many years. It, it's, it's a highly entertaining movie. I think you won't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so you were, how much of this film is, is footage that uh, was shot way back when that you were able to get your hands on? Gosh, you know, I'd have to say it is about uh, 40% of the original footage, you know, from, from you know, mm-hmm. starting back all the way from 1996 when Bigelow bought the ranch. And then, you know, I'd say 60% is new footage. That is so freaking exciting. I'm excited. I didn't realize that. And that is so cool because, you know, this is a, a subject. When people read the book, I think that, you know, it's something that really changes people. I know you saw uh, this recent article by Red Pill Junkie, our buddy online, and uh, on uh, the Daily Grail, I think it was on. And... um. It, you know, he, he talks about that, how, you know, even though he's, he's very skeptical minded hit, this is just so much happened here and there's so much credibility. It, it screwed with his brain. His brain is still twist every time he thinks about it. And I think that's how most people feel just cause it's so odd, but it seems like these uh, things really occurred. So to hear that there's footage from back when all of this being de- was being developed, um, that sort of insight alone, um, let alone the modern, you know, perspectives, that sounds, it's just, that's a lot. Yeah, the, the, what, what you're saying, you know, the, the credibility of this, again, I like to say it really is your problem. It's, it's not, you know, it's the viewer's problem yeah. because you have to, uh, you know, kind of assimilate this data. It, it's beyond looking at it as credibility. Our defense intelligence agency thought it was credible, you know. George Knapp for 20 plus years thought it was credible. Robert Bigelow, who spent more money as an individual than anybody who owns an aerospace program, thought it was credible, thinks it's credible, knows it's credible. So the basis of his interview with 60 Minutes where he says, I know that there are aliens. I know that they live among us. I don't give a damn. All of that is based upon his you know, research and interest and work with our government at the ranch. So mm-hmm. it's beyond – credibility these events happen and you'll hear it directly from the witnesses who experienced them because george was documenting that the whole way through wow so 
It's been really hard because, you know, I've interviewed quite a few people and, and had some shows and, and um, you know, on this topic because it's a fascinating topic. And one of our YouTube videos that has done the best is when we talked to John Alexander, uh, because a lot of the people involved with the investigation are hard pressed. Um, I've even talked with Colm and uh, just kind of baffled, hard pressed when you ask him what went on there. And I think that uh, I love this statement. By Alexander, uh, you know, he didn't, nor has anybody really talked about alien. So we'll talk more about that. But Alexander called it a precognitive sentient phenomenon. Yeah, it's, that's accurate. I love that statement because it, it's intelligent. It outsmarted them. That's what they all say. But it seemed to be precognitive. It, it seemed to know what they were up to. Yeah, as Dr. Um, Colin Kelleher has said, it was a real fly in the ointment that it, it it is not an easy way to explain it saying it's aliens, right? There certainly mm. are UFOs, hard physical craft that occur in the Uinta Basin. Remember, the ranch is just a living laboratory in a hot spot in one of the many hot spots on this earth that we know about. So the the lab, the ranch itself, it's not a it's not the the ranch is a magical boundary line of property. It just happens to be a place that was conveniently a living laboratory in a hot spot. Now, the fight in the ointment is that, no, you can't just say it's aliens because the phenomena that are expressed and the, as Robert Bigelow would say, the performances that occurred on the ranch were so varied, they never exactly repeated themselves. So as scientists, that was very frustrating because you can't look at something and just say, hey, repeat that result. It, it was always altering depending on the observation. I mean, it really is Schrodinger's cat of the paranormal. <laughs> uh, it was very wild. Um, however, a lot was learned during that time. We might not be able to answer any of the questions that were originally you know, set forward to answer. However, th there are things that were learned from the investigations. And, mm. and that's what I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. So back when all this started, for instance, uh, Harry Reid, did he visit the ranch? Yeah, so I can't speak you know, for him personally, but I, I know that it was his interest in the overall topic and the people that he associated with that really uh, propelled him forward to help secure the ability for this study to ongo and continue, and maybe even in more depth. Uh, it was not a sweetheart deal to, to Bob Bigelow. That is just utter nonsense. Uh, Bigelow lost money. <laughs> the reason they picked him is because he had the lowest bid. He was willing to put the most of his own money into it. Mm -hmm. So it was really, it's really funny. You know, everybody's looking for a big conspiracy, a big money conspiracy. No, you've got a guy like you and me who's so fascinated by this and figures that it, with the right resources, he can find some answers. And sure enough, he tried and he put everything, bared no expense. He did his best. He had a lot of people involved uh, who were you know, really great individuals to have involved. Uh, so I don't know, uh, Harry Reid, his personal interest in this topic, I think George has covered that to the degree we can, which is, uh, you know, he, he finds it very credible. Mm -hmm. and he has reasons, like any individual would, why he thinks that. Mm -hmm. Were there DIA guys that visited the ranch? I guess, were there government and or military that visited the ranch during this period of time? Yeah, I don't think that's really um, a, a secret at this point mm -hmm. that, you know, BAS was a DIA program. 
period. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And that that's it, it's fascinating. I mean, one of the reasons it's fascinating is I've been, <laughs> you know, really close in that uh, I talked to George on a regular basis. I was part of MUFON when Bigelow approached yeah. MUFON and I was on the board and everything. So, but I never knew all of this other stuff was going on. And, and right. that's not a complaint whatsoever because I, you know, even as a journalist, when things are embargoed, you can't share them. Uh, even you and I as researchers or, you know, you working in journalism or as an investigative reporter, there are things that we're told that we can't share. And so it speaks to our integrity and that's how we work with others when we don't share those things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for two years I was on the Tic Tac story talking with the primary witness and, you mm -hmm. know, I I was, could not, I had no way to shield that individual from that, from the information getting out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I, I helped to encourage to make sure that information did come out. But yeah, I, I got a tip, worked it for two years, had to do it quietly because of respect. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and to me though, that, that, I mean, I, I see that as a positive thing, whereas, you know, that, that speaks to their professionalism of all these people we work with, because I know, you know, they've, they've occasionally shared things with me. But um, to many, though, that's what's frustrating, I guess. It, it's not a positive thing. They see secrecy and they see conspiracy. So, for instance, if we get to Bigelow, uh, all of these negative aspects or things that say that are really negative looking for conspiracies with Bigelow, I think that they have um, not listened to what he personally has to say or paid attention to his actions because you said, you know, I've said this before, too. He's like us. He's interested in this stuff. And so he's putting his resources towards it. Yeah, we owe a big debt of gratitude for what Robert Bigelow has done behind the scenes to help get towards, you know, UFO truth by working with, you know, government agencies to his own personal uh, endeavors like NIDS was a wholly private endeavor. You know, people, they, they don't like secrecy. Well, they should get off their butts and start to bring information forward and seek it rather than sitting behind a computer screen waiting for everybody else to tell them the news. I, I really don't have <laughs> sympathy for that. I, I think that when people say, well, that shouldn't be held secret, well, then they have never been in the position where they're allowed to be part of looking at something with the agenda, bringing it out when the appropriate time comes. And and that's exactly what George did for, you know, 20 plus years. And luckily, that's what I'm able to do now. But, you know, that it, it's a really, it's a shameful thing. You know, people that, that, you know, complain like that, well, they should get off their butts and start doing research. Amen, brother. So we're already at the end of this first segment, so we've got to take a break. For those of you who are listening on KGRA, of course, you're going to hear some commercials here. Definitely patronize uh, some of these great people uh, who are doing shows or or helping to keep KGRA on the air. Also, for those of you listening to the podcast, you'll have a short musical interlude, and then we will be right back with Jeremy Corbell and talking about the Skinwalker Ranch. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
We are back. You're listening to Open Mind GFO Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we're here with Jeremy Corbell, the uh, creator of the new uh, documentary, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Now, when is it coming out, and where will people be able to see it? Well, it will be coming out uh, late summer, hopefully sooner the better, but that's where we're at right now is late summer. I'll be finding the exact date within the next week of when it will be launching and available. I'm sure pre-orders will be up on iTunes soon. You will be able to see it everywhere, and that's all I can say right now, but Mm -hmm. you will be able to see it everywhere. Main point is it will be available for like pre-purchase with all those bonus materials uh, pretty darn soon. Mm -hmm. And you just released, I think even today was the first day, or maybe it was yesterday, this amazing poster. Is this what the cover of the movie is going to be or or a poster that was promotional? Oh no, that's yeah, that's the that's the movie poster you'll be seeing on all digital platforms where it's available. That's the one I love it. This wolf coming out of the ground looks like rocks with a, you know, the actual homestead too, which is a site of high activity. Wow. Um, at paranormal, uh, you know, at this paranormal ranch, high activity at Skinwalker Ranch, uh, on top of the wolf's head. It's pretty wild. It's from actual images uh, taken out at the ranch. Oh wow, it is so flipping cool. This poster is amazing. So getting back to now, very few people, of course, if, if you want to know more about the ranch, you got to read the hunt for the skinwalker uh, or wait for and or uh, wait for Jeremy's film. Um, definitely check out the film. But I guess just for those few people, because there's going to be a handful of listeners, even though I cover this topic quite a bit, who aren't aware. So maybe you can in a nutshell as much as you can describe uh, and I, you've probably been asked to do this because in media often, you know, you got to go do pitches and they're like, what's the nutshell? What is it? What is this about? What What do you tell them? It's, you know, actually, Alejandro, you're the very first interview that I'm doing. I delivered the film yesterday in its full form, but I can wrap this up in a, in a super simple way for people to look at. So what is nice. Skinwalker Ranch, right? So based on this best-selling book by George Knapp and Dr. Kellum Herr, by you know, they had a book out, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Uh, this th- that I'm putting out, it's a documentary kind of rel- relating to this book, but it's really about the ranch and it's the most intensive scientifically studied paranormal hotspot in human history. That's what this ranch is. And that is definitive. Uh, it's famous now all throughout the world because of the myriad of like strange and frightening encounters and things seen at this ranch. Everything from motherships and UFOs to seemingly paranormal events. This has been happening for hundreds of years in the Uinta Basin. But the ranch itself seems to be a hub for this, a hot spot within a hot spot. There's animal mutilations, current animal mutilations, not just 20 years ago. It's happening to this day for local ranchers. Uh, again, there's poltergeist-like activity. There's creatures. That's the thing about the ranch. It's really strange. Dimensional portholes. A physicist and another scientist watched this being crawl out of, of an orange dimensional porthole looking through night vision goggles while they were kind of on the hunt on the ranch to observe and, and figure out what this stuff is. The, the phenomena that's expressed at the ranch is so astounding and it it is about ufos but it's about associated phenomena this ranch was owned by robert bigelow aerospace mogul of bigelow aerospace has an interest in the subject for a long time and he deployed phd level scientists 
millions of dollars of equipment and personnel was invested in this. And then the U.S. government's Defense Intelligence Agency took notice and sponsored a massive study to determine what, what lurks at this ranch to see if it was a national security threat. So secrets have been kept, big secrets about this ranch and uh, for more than, I'd say, two decades. And everybody's wondered what's going on there. We don't have photos. We don't have videos. This has been embargoed, this information. All of that has changed. And this story can now be told and it will feature original and rare footage from the ranch during the time of investigations. That's how I can best explain it. Mm -hmm. And you're the guy. You know, a lot of people, I think, would be asking, why you? Why this Jeremy guy? <laughs> you sound, that's like what my mom asked. Well, I don't know. It's like that coveted a position. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing to get a movie like this out. It's mm -hmm. highly stressful. Uh, but no, I think it was uh, – look. George Knapp has been a mentor to me in journalism, and over those years, I have been able to witness and look at some of what he has been looking at for, for decades, and this is something that really, you know, the timing was right, the change of the guard, nobody else could have done this but George Knapp, and luckily as a filmmaker, there I am, ready to do this film, so it was, I, I you know, consider it luck, but it's like being in the right place at the right time, but also... I was ready for this. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, I can see it because I'm a huge fan of your work, and that's what makes it so exciting. I'm excited about even if you're going to whatever mundane little thing you do, um, you focus on, because like, you do such a great job, I think, in making anything interesting, but let alone something that is just, you know, intuitively amazing. This ought to be great. But I'm curious, was there an incident in particular that stands out to you and or that you really focused on um, that was maybe meaningful in the documentary? Right. You know, th there's so much to cover in a documentary mm -hmm. like this. And we're all looking for the evidence. You know, what is evidence? Is witness testimony evidence? You know, what types of documents are evidence? So for me, in this film, I really tried to make sure that all the work that George did and he filmed, that all of that could be told in these like news segments where he's reporting to you through all those decades, but then also tying that in to the current modern day situation at the ranch. Now, people are going to learn a lot from this film. I think it's going to be very hopeful. I think that they're going to be very encouraged. And I think personally, going there a multitude of times and having my own ability to experience this property and the surrounding area, the, the most profound thing to me is the way that this high strangeness is accepted by the local culture and how it's a part of everyday life and how they won't readily, the locals won't readily just talk to people about it because it is so outside of our consensus reality that they don't feel like they need to explain themselves to anybody. But when you are in their trust, and, and we were the first crew ever to get permits from the Uinta nation, from the, it's a sovereign nation, to film at these locations on the reservation and take that footage off for a movie. We were the first it's not like when Joe Rogan was out there and he's standing on the peripheral of Skinwalker and not even close and does some stupid show about it that tells you nothing, mm -hmm. right? This is a hardcore, deep, long-term investigation 
a multi-general, uh, a multi-generation investigation. So I really am proud of this movie. I think people are going to love it. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be highly, highly informative. Mm-hmm. You know, and you bring up a great point, and John Alexander brings up this point often a- as well. And I think that's what's going to be different and uh, about this film. Uh, and why this is important, it, which is a lot of, you know, people have heard about this, maybe read the book. And so they decide they're going to shoot a documentary and they're going to include it or an episode of this show or that show. And they do just what Joe Rogan does. They go, they stand outside the gates. Maybe when the lights go down, you know, the sun goes down, they walk around it with their night vision uh, outside the gates for a little while. And, and of course, nothing happens. And like John Alexander was was noting, you know, Things would happen, but it was far and few between. So the chances of you going there and even spending a few days and having some sort of paranormal experience are low. Because, you know, even if a dozen occurrences happen in an entire year, that's a big deal. That's a lot of occurrences. And so you have to really delve in, um, like you said, like nobody's ever done before. Yeah, they, they, you know, this place is a paranormal Disneyland, man. And it's like saying you went to the gates of Disneyland and yeah. you stood outside. You, didn't <laughs> right. you don't know what you know what the Matterhorn is like. Mm-hmm. You don't know what Space Mountain is like. So, yeah, and it's funny. It's, some of the things will be revealed, like some of the people that, ha, you know, were invited to come with me and, and George one time who you'll see in the film. He, you know, he a buddy of mine, he turns to me. It's middle of the night. Skinwalker Ranch. It's like two in the morning. We're walking through Homestead 2, and we are alone. And he turns to me, and he says, you know, this is like hunting for the proverbial paranormal needle in the haystack. We're here for a weekend, and the NIDS team spent seven years day and night and and had 100 incidents over seven years day and night. Mm Mm-hmm. 100 incidents and i said yeah it's the proverbial paranormal needle in the haystack I mean, right it's really funny yeah you, you know you can't be a fly-by-night person to get the real story you can go outside the gates and bother the people that live there which is really stupid to do but i mean you can do that and get a cool little youtube video but that is not an in-depth investigation that, that is again multi-generational and multi-decade and, and that's what i'm hoping to present to people in this film mm-hmm. it's not See, a different point yeah and I think uh, what I hope happens, and and it may, is that you know Area Fifty One, for instance, is huge. I mean, it's a the world. It's a, everybody knows this term and this idea. That's George Knapp. Really, he gets the, to me. Of course, it was covering Bob Lazar, but he's the one who was brave enough to go out and share that information. The book made a big splash, but of course, we're a visual. Uh, that's how we kind of consume information these days: is the visual, and that that hasn't happened. We haven't had this documentary, like you said. George has been trying to make it, and now that it comes out, you know, yeah. Skinwalker, the the ranch may go Area Fifty One, which would be great. Great, and it would be. I think you're the right person to be able to help do that. Oh, I, you know, absolutely. You know, for better or for worse, this movie has been picked up for mass distribution. The eyes on this from outside the UFO, the paranormal world, just everyday, modern day citizens of the world. This is going to have so much viewership. I always make the joke, you know, Skinwalker Ranch is the Area 51 of the paranormal. And and it's true. It has been so secret. It has been so held tight. The cards have been held tight on this one. 
it's all about to come spilling out and it's going to come spilling out in grand fashion. Everybody's going to be able to see this movie. The audience size is going to be hugely increased again for better or for worse. (laughs) But people are going to learn the real story about Skinwalker Ranch. Big questions, disturbing Mm -hmm. answers. I mean, it's true. So yeah, it's going to be great, man. You mentioned Bob Lazar. I just want to say, man, I'm putting this movie out. It's coming out soon. But definitively, my Bob Lazar movie will be available in December, at the end of this year. There's no change in that timeline. So another 30-year story, one that I personally want to know, the story I've always wanted to know more about, that is coming out. I'm making that documentary full in, all in. Bob Lazar is 100% behind it. It is an approved, definitive documentary. Yep. Exciting. Very, very exciting stuff. Now, when, like, I guess my question would be this. There were some incidences where, for instance, animals were hurt. Like you said, cattle mutilations, yes. um, your, um, your, your cover or your, your artwork kind of harkens to this event where this giant wolf kind of came out uh, that the ranchers saw and, and tried to eat one of their cattle, tried to rip it through the, the gates there, uh, through the bars. And, uh, but at least in the period of time that I've heard about and in the time of the book where the book was written, no people were ever hurt, scared out of their wits, but not physically harmed. Is that still the case? Yeah, absolutely correct. There's a lot of, uh, myth and rumor and that happens when you keep something so locked down, the ridiculous story about alien firefights and all this weird stuff at the ranch never happened definitively Mm. garbage information but it's easy to insert this is why bob lazar is coming forward again with me after 30 years because it's easy to insert your own fantasy uh, unchallenged about things when you don't have an account an accurate account out there about what happened so that's what this is going to do it's going to push away the rumor bring in the truth and the truth is stranger than fiction no, no humans have been hurt. I mean, psychologically, absolutely. I mean, it's terrorized people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, the, and mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the effect, because it, like you said, um, although they haven't been physically harmed, everyone I've spoken to who you know was part of the investigation uh, was affected um, Psychologically, I mean, is that did you run across a lot of that, and were how affected were people um, that you talked to? Yeah, I mean, there are some very dramatic moments in my film that were unexpected, hmm. and and you will see that. I mean, maybe even I underestimated the impact that you know can be had when people engage the phenomenon. These are close encounters. Let's be really clear. People talk about close encounters. This is close encounters. You don't get any closer than this. The events at Skinwalker Ranch and at the Uinta Basin, these are close encounter experiences, both UFO and something else, an intelligence that we don't understand that's related to UFO. So it really expands your understanding of ufology. It expands your understanding of what it is we might be looking at, why our government was assessing it as a threat, why they thought there were things that could be gleaned from it, both for space-time travel, dimensional wormhole stuff, but also the idea of, is it a threat? I mean, those are big questions. So I think that 
people are affected on two levels. I think on one level, there's a total reorganization of how you see your self in the world and what the world is. So that's one version. It's not negative. It's just the version of saying, wow, I need to really change the way I look at the world and what reality is. And that's a psychological effect. Mm -hmm. Other psychological effect can be that you see or encounter something that you can't handle. And that has been a detrimental thing because, you know, it has been said there, there are hitchhikers in this type of experience. Things can follow you home. This is something that is commonly talked about even within in defense intelligence circles hmm. about the ranch. And that will become made that will made, be made clear in my film. But that is a term that is used hitchhiker. Interesting. And we do know, especially from George Knapp's recent story uh, about Skinwalker, the ranch and its involvement and uh, in the DIA or Pentagon investigation that people were concerned uh, about this research uh, for religious reasons as well. Yeah, there was a contingency, and actually Harry Reid talked about that in one of the reports that he was featured in by George Knapp, which is that, yeah, there was a contingency of religious individuals within the Defense Intelligence Agency that thought the study of this was essentially invoking demons, hmm. and that you know UFOs or these beings or creatures, that this was demonic in nature, and they tried to, and maybe in some areas successfully squashed some of the research but look it, it's just like if, if you go to a pool party you know there's going to be people that are highly religious and have certain fundamental ideas there too so i don't see it as that bizarre but when it starts influencing the the, the threat assessment of our uh, nation then i think it is important to look at it and say you know, <laughs> you know is this right but yeah there there was and is a contingency within the Defense Intelligence Agency that is highly religious and believes that this type of study is uh, studying something that is demonic and shouldn't mm -hmm. be done. That's really fascinating. Now, with the um, New York Times story that came out in December, uh, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the DOD and the DIA to um, speak to uh, this issue, and uh, they haven't been necessarily consistent or clear in doing that. Uh, in fact, they've been very quiet. Uh, if your film takes off like you know it should, do you have any sense of how uh, they may react? Uh, have you gotten any trepidation or communication on that end thus far? Have they told you like just please don't do this. <laughs> No, uh, there's been no restrictions uh, put on my film in any way. In fact, it's been informed from some very interesting angles. I think that everybody is looking at it the same way. They're eager to see what's contained within the film. I, I do think that there is obviously some people who were part of this endeavor who want this information out. And I think that the intelligence community will obviously, you know, be interested to see the film because they were part of this study. They were part of this investigation. Uh, I also think that the releases that we saw from the New York Times and whatnot that, yeah, people are confused because, look, out of three different spokespersons for the Pentagon, there were only two 
consistent statements. They literally read from a script and they told us two things when questioned, both of which were lies. For example, they said that the study ended in 2012. That is a lie. That is incorrect. There's a difference between one funding source drying up and a program ceasing to exist. So they have taken a position. They probably don't even know the truth, these spokespeople. They don't even know the truth. They don't even have the right name when they're talking about ATIP. So they, they obviously don't have all the right information or they're being given the goods to sell to us and their lies. So it's really interesting. Half of, you know, some people want this out, some people don't, and we have to sort out what's real and what's not real. And it's a tough job, but thank God the UFO community has really uh, voracious appetite and really good investigators, people that won't back down and will look for this information. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, not only the UFO community, but I mean, the public is really interested in this stuff, yeah. even if they're quiet about it and kind of shy about it. You know, they're clicking and they're watching the videos and reading the stories and everything. What a year for UFOs. I mean, yeah. they said 1969, the government study of UFOs stopped, and then we all of a sudden find out that's not true. And right. not only do we find out that's not true, we find out that there's probably more going on than just the little ATIP program, the tiny little ATIP program, that there's probably a much bigger program. Yeah. And so you, we're going to learn more about that soon. Well, we're out of time. Thank you so much. This is incredible. I mean, not only is this a, it's an event. I mean, it's something that is going to generate a lot of activity for years to come, no doubt. Um, and things for us to talk about and interactions at, at higher levels. Uh, this is really important stuff. So super excited, very excited. You're the guy doing this. Congratulations. And thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Alejandro. It's always a pleasure. And yes, I'm very excited. This year will be very big. And Hunt for the Skinwalker, the movie, it's going to be a watershed moment where people get so much more information that they can then begin to understand the story from. So I'm really excited that the public can now engage this information. Thank you so much to Jeremy for joining us today. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited for his documentary, uh, Skinwalker. If you're not aware of Skinwalker, I know we kind of glossed over a lot of stuff because we assumed people were aware. Um, if you're not aware, you should be because it's an amazing case. A lot of people would agree it's a, just one of the most amazing. So if you want to kind of get up to speed, check out that Daily Grail uh that I had talked about by Red Pill Junkie. Also, check out the book, uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker. I think you can find it definitely on Amazon and in any bookstore, but it's an amazing case, and, and it'll make you that much more excited for this new documentary. And, of course, George Knapp's right in the middle of it, so if he's involved, you know it's going to have amazing stuff. You can also go to Extraordinary Beliefs to find out more about Jeremy and his work. He's got a lot of really great documentaries. 